You know, as we read the account of this woman who came to the Pharisee's home and expressed her gratitude toward Jesus in this manner, I can't help but think about how there are people around you who may say the same thing in their heart when they see you loving Jesus more than they think you ought to. This is exactly what was going on. This Pharisee and his guests that were in that home, they were looking at this woman, and in particular Simon, the Pharisee, that thought these things in his heart, was thinking that she was loving him in a way that was inappropriate. I mean, what sort of person is this that forsakes all societal norms to worship and serve Jesus the way they do? Sacrifice or dismiss common social practices? In other words, the quote-unquote norm. This woman knew that, that the moment she stepped foot into that Pharisee's home, that she would be scorned. She would look, be looked upon with contempt. And maybe even kicked out in that moment. Humiliated. But she took her chance. She went anyway and she entered into the Pharisee's home. When we ourselves realize exactly what we've escaped from. When forgiven by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, we need to ask ourselves this question as well as we look at this example of this woman who didn't care how it was that she would be looked upon by these people. What should our response be? What is our response? What should it be? This woman would not normally walk into a Pharisee's home, and yet she did. And and Jesus goes on to explain why it is that she did what she did. The Pharisee was dumbfounded. He was beside himself. He couldn't believe that this woman had the audacity to come into his home. So she didn't know. Or he didn't know. And yet Jesus is about to explain to him what exactly she is doing. She was not rebuked. She was not told that that it was inappropriate. She was not denied worshiping Jesus in the way that she was. She served as an example of what a true believer ought to do. You know, likewise, you as a follower of Jesus Christ do things that you would not normally do prior to knowing salvation in Him. And I remember myself, and perhaps you remember that others at first dismissed your zeal for Jesus, thinking perhaps it's just temporary, it's a phase, it's a season. But because it has continued, now you see you, you are looked upon as being fanatical, extreme, Maybe even brainwashed. And out of touch with reality. May I suggest that you are actually in your right mind. 
May I suggest that you let Jesus be the one who determines who is in the right place? Just as he determined in this story who was indeed in the right place. It wasn't the Pharisees, the religious leaders, although they knew scripture inside and out. Probably knew the word better than this sinful woman did. And yet, as we will see, she knew him better than they did. We ought to allow Jesus to determine who is in the right place. Because in the event we have before us, it is not the Pharisee who is in the right place in the eyes of Jesus. But rather the woman who was loved and forgiven. Who now is expressing that love for him. And is loved much by Jesus. So let's take a look at what happened and learn from Jesus who was loved much by a woman who loved him without any reservations. She was in the right place. She loved much. So again, verse 36. This is one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Uh, We first begin this portion of scripture Uh, with an introduction to uh, Jesus being invited to this Pharisee's home. And and Pharisee, and the name of this Pharisee by the name is, his name is Simon. Um, Jesus accepted, he went to his home, and he reclines at table. But as we continue on and as we read, uh, we see an extravagant love that is expressed by this woman. Before, though, we get to that, let's first understand this whole relationship between Jesus and Simon, how it was that he went to this Pharisee's home. Uh, Remember that it was back in chapter 6 when Jesus healed the man with a withered hand. It was on the Sabbath, and the scribes and the Pharisees were watching Jesus to see if he would perhaps heal this man that had a withered hand on that day so that they might find reason to accuse him. And as we have learned, Jesus did indeed heal him. In Luke 6, 11, it says, But they were filled, after he had healed this man, but they were filled with fury and disgust with one another what they might do to Jesus. And so now we fast forward to this moment when another Pharisee, perhaps, is the one who invites Jesus to his home to come and Break bread together. And so although Jesus was on the religious leader's radar, you could say, they obviously were not yet at the point of being totally hostile toward him. At least not all of them. And not Simon. And so Jesus went to this man's house and reclined at table to have a meal with him and his other guests that we know were there. Meanwhile, as he's reclining at table, word got out that Jesus was there at Simon's house. And there was this woman of the city, this uh, woman who is described as a sinner, who heard this and, and she went and entered the Pharisee's house. Now, we don't know exactly who this woman was. Some believe that this was Mary Magdalene, but it's, we don't have that information before us. There was another situation, we can't confuse the two, um, that had to do with Mary of Bethany. 
who anointed Jesus' feet with oil. And you can jot it down. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8 covers that. But that was a separate event. That, that's not what we're talking about in chapter 7. This woman is described simply as a woman of the city who was a sinner. Now, this word for sinner used here is hamartolos, which means a woman who was devoted to sin. In other words, she was especially wicked. Apparently, for the Pharisees, this was common knowledge. Because they knew exactly who she was. In fact, most scholars believe that she was a prostitute. And so it took great courage for this woman of the city, this sinner, to enter this Pharisee's home and do what she did. Again, I remind you, she would be looked upon with scorn, with contempt. More than likely, she would be ridiculed and humiliated and sent off. And yet she didn't care. Her love for Jesus compelled her to come and worship him. There's great courage when you realize the love that you've been loved with, the grace that has been poured upon you, the forgiveness that you now know in Jesus Christ. You truly deny yourself. You pick up your cross and follow him. Come what may. I'll, I'll be looked upon as a Jesus freak. I don't care. You know, as someone who is fanatical, someone who just can't stop talking about Jesus. And you, you're looked upon as perhaps a... a ultra-religious person. You just, why do you go to church every Sunday and Wednesday and Bible study and you're always with your church friends, you know? You get to the point to where it doesn't matter. You know what you've been forgiven of. You know the hope that you now have in Jesus Christ. When your love for Jesus exceeds your personal pride, any shame that comes upon you, you, you're quickly convicted of that. And you confess it and you repent of it and become a person who is just completely unreserved and passionate about Jesus Christ and, and you're willing to display that love for Him. You love because you were first loved. And you become just like this woman. Come what may, I, I will break all societal norms. I will be different from the world. I love the fellowship of the saints. I love gathering together to talk about his word and, and grow in it. To stir each other up to loving good works. To worship him, to come and sing his praises. I can't do that enough. You will become just like this woman. When you deny yourself, when you die to self, and just simply desire to bless and honor him. It is also thought that this woman had heard Jesus when he said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, according to Matthew eleven twenty-eight. It might have been that she was among the crowd that heard this. 
understood it and responded to it in that moment. Many believe that there was a previous encounter with Jesus that led to her extravagant expression of love toward Jesus. I mean, why is it that she, she denied herself, she exposed herself in this way, if she had not first completely surrendered herself to Jesus, believing who he was? There's no way. If she just thought that he was a good teacher... This would not have been her response. Keep in mind what she was doing. She was worshiping him right there in the Pharisee's home. This woman brought a flask of expensive fragrant oil to honor Jesus with. With her tears, she wet his feet. With her hair, She wiped them clean. With her lips, she couldn't stop kissing his feet. With his fragrant oil, she poured it on his feet, just wiping. See how this picture, I mean, there's, I can't imagine. People talking in that moment. I imagine that room is absolutely silent. These pompous religious men looked at her with disdain. It was even um, especially inappropriate for a woman to let her hair down. That's what she did to wipe his feet. You see, this was a personal act toward Jesus. She didn't have any regard for how others thought of her. Normally, as we see this scene, and perhaps we'll get a better understanding of how everyone was arranged, uh, the tables would be low. Um, the people would get down and and lean to their left with their heads towards the table and their feet out. And so the sandals would be off their feet and their feet would be exposed. And, And this is when this woman got behind Jesus and stood and did these things. But now our attention shifts from this woman to the Pharisee whose home they're in. Verse 39 says, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. What this uh, is describing to us is that this man was thinking to himself. He he was thinking inside, in, inside his head. What this man was thinking shows his immediate rejection of Jesus as a true prophet. Perhaps this Pharisee had not discounted Jesus, but when he saw this, he lost all consideration of Jesus. If this man was a true prophet, he would know who's touching him, and yet he doesn't even know. Oh, she's a sinner. 
So he, in that moment, perhaps lost all consideration. Simon was thinking, Jesus can't read read this. He, He can't discern this. But his heart was about to be read by Jesus. It was about to be revealed and exposed. You see, Jesus knew his thoughts. In fact, as we see here, he answered his thoughts. Can you imagine you thinking a question and and then someone turns around and tells you, "I, I have an answer for that. You're like, I didn't ask anything. <laughs> like, wow. It's amazing. So what Jesus did. Jesus, knowing this man's thoughts, like I said, my, this is just what I think. I think there is just absolute silence in that room. Just this woman weeping and uh, wiping his feet and kissing him and And then pouring this fragrant oil, this anointment on his feet. And Jesus addressed Simon. Simon, I have something to say to you. Simon's response, say it, teacher. Simon referred to Jesus as a didaskalos, or a teacher of the things of God. So he still was thinking that he was a teacher of the things of God. But he didn't refer to him as a prophet, that's for sure. Remember, in his heart, he was already thinking, this man can't be a prophet. Or he would know who it is that was touching him. And so he refers to him as a teacher. Again, we need to pay attention to what exactly Jesus responds to. Because what Jesus is concerned with is the heart. He was called a teacher. He knew what was in his heart. He didn't say, no, 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 you're wrong. I, I am the son of God. No, instead, as he's addressed as, as a teacher, and so he is, he goes into this parable to make a point to the Pharisee. He explains this extravagant forgiveness in verse 41. A certain money lender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Stop there. This is a parable. It's something that the Lord used to explain, explain to Simon Exactly what we have before us. What they were experiencing in the moment. The story of the creditor and the two debtors is one in which we have one debtor that owes 500 denarii and the other one that owes just 50 denarii. Uh, Just to put things in perspective, I mean, we understand that neither one can repay this debt. But the 50 denarii, is equivalent to about two months' wages. 500 denarii is equivalent to about 20 months, almost two years. Big difference, but neither one can pay. I suppose, as Simon answered, I suppose. 
tells us that what he's saying is that this man's own reasoning brought him to the conclusion that the man that owed more and was forgiven more is the one who would love more. C.H. Spurgeon said this, quote, All men are debtors to God, yet some are greater debtors than others. Close quote. And that's true. We're, we're all in debt. Right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Just some people have sinned more, but all have fallen short of the glory of God. Because we know that none is righteous, no, not one. We're all debtors. We're all bankrupt spiritually before God. A holy and righteous God. And so this is what Jesus is intending to convey to this man. And he would now point to the contrast between him and this woman. Again, this is an exposure of his own heart. Oh, you don't know that I can read hearts. And in fact, I'm going to reveal your heart at this very moment. It wasn't to put him in his place and it wasn't to put him down. See, this is something that I believe we need to really understand. That when someone reveals something to us in scripture that it isn't to put us down. We don't have to take offense. We simply have to be humble and receive it. This is what Jesus was doing. Can you imagine? I mean, if there's pride in this man's heart, then he'll take offense. That's what he'll do. He'll take offense. But if he's humble, if he realizes what's happening here as Jesus reveals his heart, he will in that moment be grieved. He will humble himself. He will confess. In other words, he'll agree, you're right. And then he'll repent. This is something that we need to learn as we follow Christ. That those things that are revealed, oh, that's in my heart. That we're quickly, we quickly come to that place to where we, we confess, we repent, we turn to God. This is what he's trying to, the point that he's trying to make to this man. And he tells him, you have judged rightly. And then turning toward the woman in verse 44, he said to Simon, so as his gaze is upon the woman, he says, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Love much or love little. And this is what we have here. We have the woman who loved much. And Jesus is drawing the contrast between the two. Perhaps, Simon, you are the one who is loving little. If anything at all. Jesus is making it super clear to this Pharisee. Having read his heart, Jesus revealed it to him. In fact, even though the Pharisee had referred to Jesus as teacher, he really did not regard him at all. 
And you see this by the manner in which he, he handled him, by the way he brought him into his home. Simon wanted Jesus to see this woman as the sinner she was and was known for. Jesus wanted Simon to see her for who she now is and to see himself for who he presently was. And Jesus' eyes are fixed on this woman, but speaking to Simon. And he asks him this, this question, do you see this woman? I mean, this, is this not the question that Simon had asked in his heart? Do you see this woman? He was, the Pharisee was looking at this woman in disgust. Jesus is looking at this woman with love. And Jesus was looking at Simon with a desire for him to come to the realization of who he was in that moment. He told him, Simon, you didn't offer me any water for my feet, to wash my feet. That's something that in that day was common. We go into any home, it's what we do. You offered me absolutely no water for my feet. You didn't so much as welcome me with a kiss. That was common in that day. You didn't anoint my head with oil. Yet this woman, she wet my feet with her tears. She wiped my feet with her hair. She couldn't stop kissing me on my feet. And she just kept pouring that ointment on my feet. So what Jesus was doing was pointing to this man's disregard for Jesus. You see, what we need to also understand that Jesus did note this man's disregard for him. Sometimes we, we don't acknowledge it. We, we don't realize that, that God does regard our disregard. But he also takes into account our devotion toward him our love for him, the very things that we express to him. He regards those things. This woman was not forgiven because of her actions, but rather her actions were a response to having been forgiven. This is the point that Jesus was making with the Pharisee, right? The, the two debtors, which one loves more? The one that was forgiven of 500 denarii or the one that was forgiven of 50 denarii? That's the point that he was making. This woman is here and she's expressing this devotion to me because she has been forgiven of much. She believes that she has been forgiven. And she is just completely disregarding herself. She is here to worship me. 
without any reservation. She was the one who was forgiven of much. But the question is whether he would even get to being the one who was forgiven of little. Will he acknowledge that he is unable to pay his debt because of his sins? There's no, there's no way. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 10 It says, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. The seal who, I mean, the Spirit who seals us for the day of redemption. And so Jesus tells this man, Our sins, which are many, are forgiven. His eyes on, are on her, and he, yet he's addressing this man off to the side. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Did he not just prove that he knew exactly who this woman was? Absolutely. Are, are your sins many? How, how much, or How much have you been forgiven of? How much should you love the Lord? Jesus reveals that he did know who she was, but she no longer is that same person. Her love demonstrates her gratitude for having been forgiven of all her sin. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. But we also see here how it is that Jesus reveals that he does know Simon's heart just as well. Again, Simon loved very little, if at all. I mean, he invited him over to his house. I wonder what his intentions were. Again, he didn't. He didn't offer him the the little things that would normally be offered to any guest that would come into a home in that day. Verse 48, it says, And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. A saving faith will always, in Christ, when you go your way, you will go in peace. Wherever you go, you'll go in peace. You'll you'll know that you're right before him because you are in Christ. Jesus had told Simon that the woman's sins are forgiven. But now 
he addresses her specifically and, and tells her, your sins are forgiven. When Simon's guests began to speak amongst themselves, questioning who Jesus was, that he would even forgive sins. Who is this that even forgives sins? They could only conclude that Jesus is either the Son of God or he is a blasphemer. One or the other. But notice what Jesus said to the woman at the conclusion of this exchange. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In that very moment, in what he is saying, your faith, knowing her heart, she believed. When Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, she believed. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Do you believe that? She believed Jesus when he said, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. She knew that personally in that moment. She knew she absolutely went away in peace. David Guzik says this, quote, The woman came to Jesus in complete humility with the attitude that she was not worthy to even be in his presence. That was a good way for her to come to Jesus, but he did not want her to stay there. He raised her up, acknowledged her love, forgave her sin, and sent her in peace. Close quote. In the Schofield Commentary, it says, quote, When the Lord wanted to justify the woman in the eyes of Simon, he looked at her works. But when he wanted to send the woman away in peace, he looked at her faith. Close quote. You see, we know by what we read in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that Salvation does, does not come by works, and yet works without, I mean, faith without works is dead, right? Um, we've already gone over the study as far as, you know, don't judge others as far as their hearts are concerned, but make sure that you are able to discern the fruit that we may also be able to, of course, encourage one another to those things that glorify and honor the Lord, And so in the eyes of others, it's, it's good that we would demonstrate that, the fruit of the Spirit. Because it's encouraging to others and it glorifies the Lord. But it's not to build us up in righteousness, self-righteousness, right? But it's just an expression of our love toward Jesus, exactly what this woman was doing. She, she had no concern about others, she just simply wanted to express her love toward Jesus. That's exactly the perspective and the attitude that we should have. I, I'm, not, I'm not serving the Lord for anyone else. I'm not looking to you. I just want to serve him. Why? Because it's a response to the love that he first demonstrated to me. And yet I know that in my service, in your service... What happens is your service encourages me, and my service encourages you. And if we both know 
hey, listen, we can walk in peace because we know the Prince of Peace. We know the King of Kings. We know the Lord of Lords. We know the Savior. We know Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on the cross on our behalf. And we are filled with the Spirit of God. We are sealed for the day of redemption, and one day we will be in all of his glory. It wasn't anything that we did, but it was just simply a faith in Christ that I came to know the forgiveness of my sins. And we all walk in humility toward him. That we can walk in a way that blesses the Lord. So the question is, how about you? Do you know God's forgiveness? And if so, do you love him much? Or do you love him little? If he sends you away as you will walk out this morning, will you go in peace because you know you have been forgiven? I pray that no one walks out of this room without knowing God's forgiveness, his, his salvation. Salvation belongs to him. There's salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Have you confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior? As we consider this woman, she was because she was forgiven of much, she loved much, and she walked away in peace. I pray that you would walk away in peace. Man, if, if I've been loving little, not considering the love that was first demonstrated to me through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Lord, forgive me. I I want to love much. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, then I pray, I hope that today would be the day of salvation for you, that you would completely surrender your life to Jesus, giving yourself to him, Confessing your sins to him, asking him for forgiveness, and asking Jesus to be Lord and Savior. That's what I pray for you. That everyone here walks out of this room in peace, knowing Christ. Father, I thank you, Lord, for I thank you for your grace. Lord, I thank you for your salvation. And I ask, Lord, that Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that this would be a moment to where where they completely surrender to you, Father, that you would convict them of their sin, Lord, knowing that it's their sin that separates them from you. And yet, Lord, you desire reconciliation, that none should perish, but that everyone reach repentance. And so, Lord, that they would simply accept that gift of eternal life by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That they would cry out to you. They would lay everything before you. And Lord, rejoice in the fact that they have been forgiven. Just like this woman, Lord, that, that they would then at that point turn and just love you extravagantly. And I pray, Lord, for, for us, Lord, your people, your church. Lord, that we would love much. We would serve you. That we would be those living sacrifices as the Apostle Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 12.1 that we would be living sacrifices unto you. It's our reasonable service. 
that we would give ourselves to you unreservedly, just like this woman, or to, uh, to lavish upon you, Lord, the praise and the love that you so deserve. So I thank you, Lord, for this time in your word. We pray this in Jesus' name.